Hello, 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 and welcome to another edition of the Niner Noise Podcast, part of the Fan Sided Podcast Network. My name is Robert Morrison, a contributor at NinerNoise.com, and here with me, as always, uh, to chat about the upcoming game and hopefully uh, have a more fun conversation than the one that we had earlier in the week, fellow contributor Akshaz Devadula. Akshaz, how's it going, man? It is going good, Robert, although I will say it's a little, as much as I love primetime games for the 49ers, because you get the you get the primetime cast, Monday is not the best day mm-hmm. for me, so I'm going to be, all right, so I guess a little more about me. I'm in college right now, so there's going to be a little bit of the yield, computer out, definitely paying nah. attention to the lecture, <laughs> accidentally scream, oh. <laughs> get scored. And have to brush it off like like whatever we're talking about was the reason I was so, so energetic. Man, so you have a game that's still, or a, a class that's still going past 7 o'clock at night? That's nuts. Um, as as a uh, as a, uh, a college professor myself, I cannot sanction that activity. But as a football fan, I'm going to just be like, yeah, you got to do what you got to do. Um, so there we go. To the duality of life. Um <laughs> So, uh, the 49ers are playing, as you noted, on Monday night. Uh, I don't, I don't care for the Monday night thing from my end either, because of the East Coast of it all. I, I guess it doesn't make like that big of a difference for you, um, where you are. Um, but man, <laughs> the East Coast of it all really makes the the 8:15 starting. Uh, starting point really, really difficult. Um, especially if it's one of those like if this game is a slog, like a slog like Sunday against the Browns was um, it, it could be like 1230 in the morning before this game is over, uh, which is not, not super good. Um, but yeah, so 49ers playing the Vikings on uh, Monday night football. Um, it's strange um, that, uh, that the Vikings are, are going to be a Monday night football team. Um, but uh, there you go. So um, I think generally, uh, you come into this game and you think this is a really good opportunity for uh, the 49ers to right the ship um, and kind of get things heading back in the right direction. They got two games left until the bye, this one, and then a short week um, where they are relatively short week where they host the Bengals on Sunday afternoon at home. Um, so, you know, a, a game, two games that I think. They probably have a pretty good chance of winning, but we'll start. We won't get too far ahead of ourselves and uh, and worry about the the Bengals quite yet. We'll see how they they've been a weird team as well. I'm sure we'll talk about next week. Um, but yeah, Monday night um, is is a, a strange time, and we'll see sort of generally how that goes. Um, Akshaz, any any sort of like overarching thoughts to get us started before we talk about injuries, which is really the the, the real fun conversation here. Honestly, I just think, you know, we we were pretty confident that the Niners would kind of cruise through this part of the schedule right now to the extent that they can. It was definitely a feeling that, like, you know, they, they got this under control. So losing to the Browns, unique case. A lot of things had to go wrong. Browns played really well. A couple, couple bad penalties, you know, the whole deal. Yeah. Kind of makes it um, – Makes you like less confident, but you know, as we're going to talk about, as we talk about the Vikings, it's um, it's a lot of is this how like realistic was that loss? How yeah. like how concerning is it, or is it one of those one-time aberrations? So it'll be interesting to see exactly, exactly how the Vikings stack up compared to the Niners and Browns in that regard. 
for sure. Yeah, I've been I've been seeing. I haven't really like locked into a lot of these uh, these things that have been going on 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 social media, but I've seen like videos going around where it's like, how did the Browns beat the you know stifle the 49ers offense and all that kind of stuff? And it's just like, well, part of it is they just have better players at pretty much most positions than a lot of teams do, right? Like the, we, you said it last week, last time out. There's there's a pretty it's a pretty rare team where you go. Okay, they're really they're good in their offense in their defensive front. They're good in the linebackers position. Um, they're good in the defensive backfield, and then they have some elite players at various spots throughout that those positions. So, <laughs> you know, it's hard to point out and go, "There's the spot that you pick at, and you can probably beat them." Um, so, if the solution if the solution is try to do what the Browns did, okay, that's all well and good. But the problem is, is that not all I mean I think I said this last time there's probably not a better defense that the Niners are going to face from here throughout the end of the season and unless the Browns like end up in the Super Bowl they're not going to see each other again this year so I feel pretty good that it's going to take like an otherworldly performance from from a defense you know again barring the Eagles maybe uh to to kind of put this offense on that much of a complete kind of meltdown of a situation uh, would be kind of the way that I would think about it. And so we'll talk about that as it relates to the Vikings, I'm sure, because <laughs> that, again, I, th- I think that's going to be the key, the key, the key conversation throughout much of the, the these matchups for the rest of the year, right, is how does the, the, the opposing defense match up against the 49ers offense? And as long as the 49ers offense continues to to do good things, then that's going to be the thing we're going to have to pay attention to. Yep. I mean, I think, and again, we'll talk about this, more it's a lot of previews right now i think the real question <laughs> from the browns game is what did the browns offense do mm. that, that the 49ers defense somehow like unable to hold them to less than 17 points because as we mentioned in our recap of the game which you should definitely listen to if you haven't already you know 17 points was not an unrealistic amount for the 49ers to score but I don't think anyone thought the Browns led by PJ Walker would get 19 points against this Niners defense. So how do they, what there is a legitimate concern that they need to start fixing for, for the future. Yeah, for sure. All right. Um, so let's get into the injury situation, which is not plentiful, I would say from a 49ers perspective, but it's certainly uh, a, a quality list of, of players. Um, Elijah Mitchell, good to go after, um, play a whole lot on Sunday, but he did get out there a little bit. Um, especially once McCaffrey went down, he was able to to kind of spell Jordan Mason a little bit. But uh, he seems to be good to go. Um, he hasn't had any uh, limitations in practice this week, which is nice, especially if McCaffrey um, is uh, not good to go. And we'll get to that in just a minute. Uh, Dre Greenlaw has moved up from a, um, a did not practice on Thursday and was a limited participant on on Friday. I think that's a that was a bigger miss than we anticipated it would be against the Browns. If you know to kind of sort of answer the the, the thought that you had before, uh, and I think having Greenlaw back would be really important. Us, uh, McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, Trent Williams, no practice yet this week. I, I, I don't know. Um, the uh, they said the MRI was was good for McCaffrey and that it would just be like a pain tolerance thing. We haven't really heard anything about what Debo's shoulder situation was. Um, I heard like reports that people had to like from locker from the locker room that he had to have help on Sunday getting his like getting out of his 
clothes and putting his new his street clothes on. So, but that was you know a couple of days ago. So who knows? Trent Williams obviously an ankle played through most of it on uh, on Sunday, but you have to take into account the indoor turf situation in Minnesota. So I don't know. Um, it's it's hard to say. Like, do you think this is a situation where they're like, okay, we these guys don't need reps because they're veterans, and we we feel pretty comfortable about it, or are you are we concerned about this? I think they're definitely concerned. Not only just because you know you want them to play. I think that's important, right? Like, it's it's not as easy as just saying they're like really really good, so it's totally fine that they didn't play. That's not how this works. Right, you need players to play because that um that helps them get accustomed to the game plan. That can be a lot of important like decisions that get made. So that's one issue. But the bigger issue is a lot of this seems like a pain tolerance issue, mm-hmm. and that means those are chronic. And chronic injuries can nag and nag until something big happens. Then boom, you're completely out of luck. And I think that's what I'm most concerned about for the 49ers is especially with McCaffrey because. I think something I didn't expect to happen that has is not how good he's been. I think everyone knew he'd be that good, but how reliant they've been on him as like the focal point to allow their offense to flourish. And it works when he's healthy and they can get all the mouths fed. But right now, I don't know if they're getting that opportunity if he's not there. And it just means that he has to be out there. Otherwise, your offense falls apart. And there's just so much concern that you overrun him. Mm-hmm. So I'm more worried that you put him out there against Minnesota and his oblique keeps on bothering him and then something worse happens and then all you just you look at it and now boom, you got like a month without McCaffrey and you got some pretty important games coming up. Yeah. Yeah, I mean I'm right there with you. Um I think it's the the sort of <laughs> the piling on of the injuries cuz like you're missing McCaffrey but at least again we talked we talked about this at length right like if it were McCaffrey out okay well at least you got Debo and you got Ayuk and you got Kittle and you got a pretty good pair of running backs no but not not a game-changing pair of running backs in Jordan Mason and Elijah Mitchell but they're they're solid running backs especially if Mitchell is back healthy I think that would be a a good a good uh uh thing to have but it's it's the fact that it's two of them and you know, I, I think Shanahan's gone on the record already and said that obviously he was not prepared to lose two of his players for the bulk of, of the game on Sunday, and that impacted his ability to to call plays. And so you'd think there'd be a little bit of a plan, kind of like a plan A, plan B kind of thing going on right now. Uh, but it's, it's certainly not what you want. And then obviously, and obviously Trent Williams missing would be not great, but you could also understand it given the circumstances. Um, again, like I said, going into an indoor stadium on turf with an ankle might be something you might be aware of. Um, I should also say uh, Aaron Banks uh, also with an ankle uh, injury did not practice on Thursday, but did on was limited on Friday. Uh, Isaiah Oliver with a knee injury has been limited all week. And George Odom at a quadricep has uh, been a full practice participant throughout the week. Um, from a Minnesota perspective, um, Ezra Cleveland, their guard has a foot injury. He has not practiced yet this week either. And then uh, limited practices all week from uh, a Caleb Evans cornerback with an oblique injury as well. Uh, Pat Jones, the second and outside outside linebacker with a shoulder injury and Jalen Naylor, a wide receiver has been limited with a hamstring as well. 
um, he is in in the uh, IR practice window at this particular point. So I don't know that he's in that position where he's going to be coming off or not. I, I'm not really aware of what his situation is. But obviously, Justin Jefferson is on IR. That's the bigger miss of all of these uh, these injuries. And it certainly is the one that sticks out at you if you when you look at this this Vikings team for sure. Yeah, I mean, that's the huge thing, right? I think in many ways, it's really similar to what we had happen with Cleveland last week where Nick Chubb wasn't going to be there and I guess Deshaun Watson was on the injury list, but it was really Chubb who was kind of out for the entire year that made you be like, this this is definitely winnable just because their best weapon isn't involved at all. And I mean, Justin Jefferson is as good as they get and him not playing against the 49ers secondary that did not play particularly well, given who they had going against them. That's a huge, huge break for a team that that probably needed it in the secondary a little bit after <laughs> a kind of rough game and some rough outcomes. Sure. Well, and especially what they have coming up for next week, I think it's nice, it might be nice to like take a little breather and not have to worry about two uh, young all-pro wide receivers two weeks in a row. So um, there we go. All right. Um, well, with that out of the way, I think there's 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 some issue there um, with the injury situation. We'll keep a we'll keep an eye on it. We are recording on Friday night, so that's about as close to as we can get as, as having all the information. Obviously, we're hoping the extra day will be good for McCaffrey and for Debo and for Trent Williams and for Drake Greenlaw as well. Because uh, again, as as I said, the, him missing out there was a, a bigger miss than I think. Uh, we both anticipated against the Browns, and you'd have to think that the Vikings would be looking to take advantage of that if the opportunity came. But let's not start, let's not uh, focus on the negative, at least not right yet. Um, so let's talk about reasons for optimism. So Akshaz, I'll kick it to you to get us started. Yeah, so I just think the biggest reason for optimism is that the 49ers are not facing Cleveland. And this is kind of a... <laughs> Not I thought you were going to say talent disparity. Oh, boy. <laughs> I think I've been saying that too many times. Um, <laughs> I think, you know, Minnesota actually is a, has a pretty talented defense, all things considered. Daniel Hunter and Harrison Smith are a really good kind of secondary pass rusher combination. Flip it, Harrison Smith being the secondary player and Hunter being the pass rusher. So in that way, I think there's a lot of talent the defense has, but the Browns defense is schematically very, very sound and has the capacity to get pressure with four. And when you get pressure with four and you have their secondary, which is athletic fast and really good at playing man, you can get into situations where no one can be open at all. The thing about the Vikings is that they don't have that same athleticism and outside of Hunter, who's very good, they don't have a Zadarius Smith, which is ironic because they cut Zadarius Smith, but that's neither here nor and, there. And he plays with the Browns. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Zadarius Smith, who, and then Dalvin Tomlinson, who I also mm-hmm, yep. think was a Viking at some point. I believe that's made... correct, yeah. Dang. Anyway, <laughs> the point I'm trying to make is just that the Browns were able to get a lot of pressure with just four or even three at times. They were able to play aggressive coverage because they were able to just get after Brock Purdy. And I think the Vikings are going to struggle to do that without having to compromise their offense by defense, by calling a lot of blitzes, bringing a lot of pressures. And the thing is, 
if you get blitzes and pressures and you don't like completely mess up the blocking against them, someone is going to be free. And when someone gets free, there's, there's a big play waiting to happen and you can kind of move the ball that way. We saw this against the Giants on Thursday Night Football. You know, Brian Flores blitzes the most in the NFL out of any defensive coordinator. So it's a very aggressive scheme, but it's aggressive insofar as it requires a lot of like sacrifice on their own part. I think the 49ers will be able to take advantage of that. The Vikings are fairly good in terms of like overall, like aggregate points and yards and, and allowed. But really the question is just that they are going to be, they're going to try to gamble a lot. The 49ers win gambles. They don't really win when a defense sits down and says, all right, go 12 plays and score on us, and we'll, you'll see if you can make it all the way down the field. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm right. A couple of things that you said that I, that I had on my, my list of, of things to note. The, the first was the, the blitz um, happiness and just how effective that was for the Giants. Like, you know, it, it started off okay. Some of that was, I think, Thursday night, like, is weird and things happen at the beginning of Thursday night's game night games. But I mean, like if anything, like <laughs> Brock Purdy has showed that that doesn't really work on him. Like, I mean, the dolphins try that the very first game when he came in off the bench, when Garoppolo got hurt last year and he just was like, Nope, Nope, don't care. Um, it's, it's when, when someone's best skill is their processing, it doesn't make sense to me to, to be like, all right, well, we're just going to throw a bunch of players at you because I, I guarantee you that he's already got, he, he knows exactly what he needs to do with the ball every time. Uh, and those blitzes are just making it easier and opening up uh, pathways for, for other players, as you said. Now that will certainly be a lot, a lot better and work more effectively. If those players are like McCaffrey and, and Diva Samuel, and you can, you can use those, 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 those players to take advantage of the blitzing. Um, so that will be something to watch. Um, the other thing is um, that the, the Vikings uh, offense has kind of uh, plateaued a bit. I mean, they were, they were sort of meh uh, to begin with. Uh, they haven't scored in the 30s yet this year. Um, and that and the closest they got was in a loss to the Chargers back in week three. Um, other than that, they've scored. Oh, excuse me. Sorry. Uh no, I was looking at a different a different light. They've they they have not scored thirty, but they the closest that they've gotten um, was in a loss to the Viking or to the Eagles in week two. When they scored twenty eight points. Other than that, they've scored seventeen, twenty four, twenty one, twenty, and nineteen. And the nineteen was against the Bears uh, last week in um, uh, a, a win. So by the way, um, so that that you just look at them and you go, they're not great. On either position, I said to you before we started recording that this is like the most mediocre mediocre team on the planet. Um, there's there's not really anything that you can look, save for one thing that you look at their at their statistics and you go, yeah, they do that really, really, really well. And even the one thing that they do really, really, really well is probably a little bit um, uh, ruined by the fact that they're missing their best player, Justin Jefferson, uh, and that is their passing. Uh, uh, their passing yards um, in that they're, they're third in the league in passing attempts and third in the league in passing yards and second in passing touchdowns. But as I noted that as, as I, as noted, they have not um, really been able to do a whole lot with that. Hence their two and four record. Here's another weird thing, Akshaz. Um, 
Do you realize they don't have a rushing touchdown this year? You're kidding, right? <laughs> no, I'm not. Oh my god. I so six games is... they have not they have not run for so they've scored 14 touchdowns on offense all in the air. That is concerning to say <laughs> yeah. the least. And they're well, I mean, part of that might be they they they're just not trying to run the ball. They've only run 100 they've only run it 113 times, which is last in the league for 450 yards, which is 30th in the league. Um, they're right at four yards per carry, but they just, they just don't, they have no interest in it. Apparently. Um, I, I don't, I don't understand it. Uh, I mean, I guess I do get it. Like if, if you let go of your best running back in the off season and just be like, yeah, just go play for the jets. We don't care. Um, and you replace him with nobody. Um, then that's what happens. Uh, <laughs> Alexander Madison is their, uh, leading rusher with 320 yards. And Cam Akers, who they just acquired in a trade from the Rams a couple weeks ago, um, is already their second leading rusher on the season. <laughs> he has 63 yards. Yeah, no touchdowns. None. None. That Zero. is ridiculous. That That's the only word that's ridiculous. How is that? That feels almost willful at some point. Like, you're just like, okay. When we get down to the, well, I mean, now the next question is, have they ever, like, have they gotten to the, like, one-yard line? Or uh-huh. I have, I'm so confused now. <laughs> I I feel like that's, that's, that's so impressive as, like, you in, have to like, try. a bad way. Try really hard. Yeah. It um, like it. Their touchdown log suggests that the closest that they've gotten is four yards out. Um, and they've got one. Hold on. <laughs> This is really fun. This is great radio, by the way. One, two, three, four, five, six. Six passing touchdowns from inside from the five or closer. It's oh all the five or four yard lines. They just absolutely have like I said, they just have zero, zero desire to run the football. Um I don't know, maybe they're secretly geniuses, but I I don't think so. Uh, that's, that is wild. That's absolutely wild. Six. So almost half of, of cousins touchdowns have come from either the four or the five yard line, which is just, <laughs> that's, that's hilarious. <laughs> what a, what a little, what a little tidbit about, yeah. oh my God, that's a, that's absurd. I got. Like, I, I feel know like, what the what the record is for longest streak without a rushing touchdown, like in the league, for, by a team. It's got to be out there. If you can find out, let us know. I mean, oh my god, how? I still I can't. Know. I'm still not over this. <laughs> that's just, I, that's yeah, like, I've I've no idea. Um, that's that's that is super wild to me. Um, and something that I cannot, cannot for the life of me understand. Um, anyway, uh, yeah. So the one dimensionality, that's, that's the, that's what I wanted to get to. That's where I was getting to. This team just doesn't have any interest in, in running the ball and they want to, they wanted to chuck, they wanted to chuck it around all over the field, which when you have Justin Jefferson makes sense, but guess what? They don't have Justin Jefferson anymore, um, at least for a while. And so that's that's something to uh, to watch out for. The the last thing that I'll say on this is uh, Kirk Cousins. Uh, Akshaz, do you know Kirk Cousins' uh, all-time 
uh, record. And I know quarterback wins, not a stat, whatever. I don't care. Uh, his record, or should I say the record of his team that he has played in on Monday Night Football? Do you know what it is? Is it? I want to say, so it's one or zero. That much I know. He's either won once or he's never won. I'm going to say one in 14. Uh, he is two in 10 in oh. 12 games. Oh, man. I, now, now he looks um, he looks good compared to what I thought what he was at. Uh, <laughs> so my, the last thing that I'll say, and then we'll, we'll talk about reasons, uh, all that to say, Kirk Cousins just doesn't play particularly well in primetime. I think his like, primetime record between like Sunday and Monday night games is even like not that much more impressive. I'd have to look that up. Um, so there are... T- there's one player in the NFL, one play, listen to me, one player in the NFL that has more rushing attempts than the, than the giant, than the, uh, the Vikings do on the season. Hold on. We verify that. Yep. <laughs> uh, oh man. That's, um, do you, do you, do you want to guess who it is? Well, and then I'll, uh... Um, I, part of me wanted to say Christian McCaffrey. It's close. I know that's close. not true. Um, let's go with. And this is also Travis, a Travis Etienne. It is Travis Etienne, but um, it's by merit of the fact that he's played in seven games. But still, he's run the ball 127 times. The Vikings 113. Um, McCaffrey's at 110 through <laughs> six games. So he would be if he had stayed in the entire game on against the Browns. I 100% he would have out. He would be out rushing him. Um, so anyway, that's, that's strange. Um, and if I really wanted to get crazy, I would count the number of players who have more rushing yards than the Browns do for, so far this year, but we just, we don't, we don't need any of that. Um, maybe I'll do it while you're t- talking about the next thing. So let's talk, um, reasons for, for concern here. Well, you see, I feel a little silly now because I was going to mention the, the run, the run t- game of the Vikings just because. Like statistically, it's not great. Like, let's be um, be realistic here. Oh, that is true. I didn't actually pay attention to the amount of yards rushed, but their efficiency is okay. Mm-hmm. Four yards per carry, and I think more importantly, with Cam Akers kind of getting into the fold, they have a little better, better, better bit of talent on their hands that'll let them kind of maybe take advantage of it. But this is also just going more so to, like, what the 49ers have absolutely struggled with. They cannot stop the run this year. And the only reason why aggregate stats are going to make him look like a league average to maybe slightly above league average run defense is because teams literally can't run the ball more than 15 times before they're just down 20 points. And then you can't <laughs> run the ball anymore. you gotta you got to pass it. But, you know, the Browns weren't down 20 points, so they could keep on running the ball. And at the end of the day, that's why the 49ers lost. So I think, you know, Akers has played the 49ers before, has had limited success, but definitely is familiar. And overall, if there's a way you can attack this 49ers defense, that's the way to go. Because I think, like, if Justin Jefferson was playing, that's, like, the reason for concern is that he's, like, better than anyone who could go up against the 49ers and he could like win a game by himself. But without him, I think, you know, no disrespect to KJ Osborne or Jordan Addison, 
both of whom have played fairly well this year and definitely you know, are good NFL players. No one is really that fearful on that Vikings offense. And TJ Hawkinson is great, great tight end, but he's going up against the defensive player of the year and like best coverage linebacker football has seen in 10 years. <laughs> so your reason for concern is that you're not really that concerned. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, <laughs> you know, my reason for concern is that I just, I genuinely think, cause okay. It's every time in the first four weeks, all I would say is, you know, football can be weird. Like mm-hmm. that's the reason for concern is football can be weird. And obviously that's true here, but I do think that like if Minnesota can establish the run and actually get, get a part of their like game going that hasn't been going before, that'll allow them to get a lot of success because defensively, I think we already discussed the ways in which they kind of lack the top end talent that the, that the 49ers opponents like the Browns have had, and they don't have the scheme to really like settle in and just wear the Niners out. So you end up with a situation where, you know, if the Vikings offense is able to do enough through the ground and kind of take a lot of time away, get a turnover or two, and this game completely flips on its head. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's that 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 makes sense for sure. Um, one number or two numbers that we forgot to, that we forgot to mention in the reason for optimism, uh, and that is thirteen and nine. Um, thirteen being total number of turnovers from the Vikings so far this year, and nine the total number of fumbles lost. Uh, that's good for thirty first and thirty second in the league so far this year. Um, I mentioned that here uh, because uh, I think that would fold into my reasons for uh, concern. Some of it is related to the injury situation with the 49ers. And if the trio of offensive players plus straight Greenlaw are for some reason not all not able to play and play and be effective, I think that's that would put a real like hindrance on the 49ers effectiveness on offense. Um, and it would allow the, the Vikings to key in on certain things like they could pay better attention to uh, George Kittle and to Brandon Ayuk and feel pretty confident that they're going to put some pressure on the the Niners offense and it's going to make it harder uh, for them to to get the job done. And similarly, we saw what the Browns, whose you know, running game is not great, uh, was able to do against a Dre Green lawless 49ers group last week. So you'd be a little concerned about that as well, considering um uh, the Vikings offensive line is actually pretty solid um, in 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 that regard. So it, it would be sort of all those things happening and leading to a situation where, you know, it's just too close for comfort. And then, you know, just like last week, something breaks the wrong direction at the wrong time and, and you miss out pretty close. I don't see this being a situation. I think that's about the only way the Vikings are going to win is if it's just way too close for way too long and it's low scoring and, and that sort of thing. If it's not, if, if it turns into a, a shootout or something like that, you feel pretty confident um, that that will, will work in the 49ers favor. Oh, the other part would be if, if the Vikings are managed to hold on to the football, uh, which is something they have not been able to do so far this season. Uh, three turnovers in week one, four in week two, two in week three, and week four and one in each of the last two games as well um, against the chiefs and the bears. So 
um, those would be the things that I'd be watching out for sure. Yeah, I mean, I think we, at the risk of sounding overconfident, almost assuredly the 49ers should win this game. They have, like, I hate saying this, they have the talent disparity, I think, in some key positions. And I think without Justin Jefferson, the Vikings have not really been successful enough to pose a real threat. There's no, like, specific unit, specific team aspect that we can see really really dominate where you can see them cleanly winning the game in that way so it's a it's one of those tough ones where you know i don't think anyone well no one really thought the browns could beat the 49ers so it's always any given sunday but you feel pretty confident about the way these teams are heading into monday even if you know you don't get a mccaffrey or samuel on the field yeah. Um, what do you th- what do you have a would you if you had to guess what who do you think is most likely to play of that group? Um, not oh, I, so I think I, I think Greenlaw is feeling like it's moving in the direction of like he's going to play because he's actually playing. But of the three offensive guys, which do you think is the most likely the the biggest likelihood of, of actually playing? So, I'm going to say McCaffrey because I think Debo almost always has these kind of like soft core injuries or Mm -hmm. this is a shoulder injury. But the thing with Debo is that this is kind of like a known aspect for him. And I think the Niners feel comfortable that they can get by without him necessarily being there all the time. That's only true. I think because like they did it semi decently before. And I think they have some trust in Ray Ray McLeod being good to go when he doesn't have to be thrown into the game. Mm-hmm. I also think McCaffrey, this is not to say that Debo isn't the kind of guy to um, push to play through an injury, but I think McCaffrey, if it's really just a pain tolerance thing, he's going to be raring to go. I also think it's easier to kind of scale McCaffrey down in terms of snaps if you're seeing that, like, we don't need him to be out there. I don't think Trent Williams plays at all. Like, mm, yeah, the, the turf issue, ankle injury. And again, without um, without a, a person other than Daniel Hunter on the pass rush unit really to concern you, not saying that Marcus Davenport at all are bad, but I just think you can get away with having Jalen Moore out there. Yeah, yeah, I think I'm right there with you. Um, and the the thing about the shoulder with with Debo is that that. That's such a part of like his playing style, right? Is lowering that thing and running people over. So, um, you got to think to a certain extent, it's probably a pain tolerance thing with him as well. I think I think Shanahan said as much. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, if if we're talking about like thinking about the long term, I, I think you might be able to to say I, this is the this is this is the situation where I wish that the buy was after this game and not after the Bengals game. Um, cause then you would just say, yeah, just sit Trent Williams. Absolutely. 100%. No, no doubt. But I would also say that, you know, there's more, <laughs> there's more to be concerned about with the Bengals, I think, um, and in certain aspects than it, than it would be, um, with, the uh, with the, uh, the, 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 the Vikings coming up. So, all right. Um, predictions, let's do it. 
Now, if you would like to, because I wrote a da- I wrote down two different scores depending on <laughs> uh, the situation, but I don't have to do that. That can be cheating, um, and you can we we don't have to do that. But I was like, if this if the the offensive players play, then they probably will do this. If not, then they might do this. I don't know. Just <laughs> we don't have to do that if you don't want to. That's I just I'm hedging is what I'm doing. Um. I think the, outc- the outcome is the same. It's just a point total difference, by the way. <laughs> so I'm going to keep the same point total difference because I think this could be one of those games where Brock Purdy really, really plays out of his mind. And he doesn't need to have a McCaffrey or Samuel there to kind of facilitate that. This kind of feels like, you know, he had his first real failure as an NFL starting quarterback. This feels like one of those moments where he gets a chance to put his best stuff on tape. It's a dome, it's turf, which means, you know, as terrible as turf is, the elements are rather subdued to non-existent at all. So now you get a situation where I think Purdy can really shine. So I'm going to go with 31 to 10. I think this is a get-right gate in, in many ways for the 49ers. Hey, that's what I put for my, almost what I put for the for the other one. I said 34-13. Um, for the, uh, for the, I'm, I'm, we'll just go with that. Um, 34, 13. Um, I would agree with you. I think this is, I, I, I would be really, really surprised. Um, if the, the Niners lay another egg offensively, like they did last week, I, because I, I, I think that that had all to do with the Browns just being great. And, um, the Niners got outclassed and then they, lost, you know, lost Debo and then they lost McCaffrey and they just weren't prepared to do that. Um, and you even alluded to it, like Ray Ray McLeod looked really lost <laughs> in, when he got it, went out there because he wasn't prepared to, to go out there and cover for Debo. If he, and you know, you feel like if he has to do that this week, that they will be, that will be kind of in play a little bit better. So 34, 13, I'm right there with you. And I'm, I'm I think the, that Purdy goes out there and, and has a good game. So, um, all right, Akshay's final thoughts to you before we wrap this thing up. Honestly, just, you know, Monday Night Football means that Sunday's free to watch all the other teams and really, really take a look at what they're doing. So that's going to be fun. Eagles, Dolphins, huge game. So enjoy football now that you don't have your daily obligation of watching 49ers content on Sunday. And other than that, you know, this is a this is a kind of important game to keep in mind just because it has the potential to really tilt the 49ers season in a different direction. They can, there's a lot of pressure, I'd say, that exists on this game. Because if you lose, you go from 5-0 and to 5-2. and Who knows mm-hmm. what Vision is doing? I mean, things flip on ahead. So it's important yeah. that they keep, they rebuild their momentum and keep it going. So uh, we root for Mike McDaniel, right? That's, that's the right answer? Yes. 100%. Absolutely. Um, go put up another... 50 burger on them, Mikey. We we hardly knew ye anyway. Um, <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen, but it could. You never know. Um, all right. Well, thanks uh, for listening to this episode of the Niner Noise podcast, part of the fan-sided podcast network. As always, check out NinerNoise.com for all your latest 49ers news and analysis. And be sure to rate and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. And, of course, share it with all your fellow 49er fan friends. So until next time, let's sound the horn, 49ers. <laughs>
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What does innovation sound like? It sounds like the luxury of being in the moment with your customer, client, or patient. It sounds like having the right information right when you need it. It sounds like being at your best for your customers and your business. Thanks to Highland's intelligent content solutions that improve digital processes, innovators everywhere are able to do their thing better, whatever that thing is. Now, who doesn't like the sound of that? Highland. For innovators everywhere, visit highland.com.